Hello, hello. Welcome, everyone. Today's Beyond Autistic Burnout episode is a double delight. We're diving into the world of accessibility and inclusion with Sydney Elaine Butler from Accessible Creates. Plus, stick around for our special Networking with Brian Coletto segment. I'm your host, Carol Jean Whittington, and together we're unlocking valuable insights. So stay tuned for today's show. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout, the talk show designed to empower ADHD autistic professionals like you to thrive in your career, life, and beyond. I'm Carol Jean Whittington, an ADHD autistic business professional who's not just surviving, but thriving after decades in burnout. And I'm thrilled to have you here with us. Each episode, I'll be joined by inspiring guests as we dive deep into transformative strategies and insights. We'll show you how to break free from burnout, ignite sustainable energy, and embrace your authentic self. Together, we'll navigate career challenges, nurture relationships, and excel in every aspect of life. It's time to fuel your success and embark on your journey of empowerment. Let's take this incredible journey together. Get ready to be an authentic leader and unleash sustainable energy in your life. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout. Let's start thriving. Well, we have a power-packed show for you today as we are breaking down barriers, unveiling the power of accessibility and inclusion with Sydney Elaine Butler and our special monthly segment, Networking with Brian Coletto. But before we get started, you know, I always love to kind of dive in and have a conversation with everybody. So, hey, if you're joining us live, I see we got a bunch of people in the house. Drop in the comments. Let us know how you're doing today. What's sparking your joy today, friend? We want to know where you are and what's lighten you up. So there's a post that's coming out this afternoon, and I would really love for you guys to, to join me on this because I'm doing some lived experience gathering on the barriers to employment for ADHD autistic adults. I'm looking for many perspectives and experiences because we are a widely varied group. And often the discussion and the representations in the media are very narrow when it comes to this topic about, quote unquote, us. If you have any experience with this, I'd love to hear your thoughts. What are some of the biggest challenges you faced in finding and keeping a job? This can be challenges that you face externally, like transportation, work environment, you know, also known as like the dreaded cubicles. Um, or it can be internal challenges that may be unique to you, like how you process information and learn a new thing. What is the one thing that would make employment for you easier or more accessible today. So be sure you take a look um, out on social media for the post. And this is kind of what it looks like. And it says, what has been the biggest barrier for you when it comes to employment as an ADHD autistic? And oh my goodness. So this past week was really exciting. I had a lot happening, a lot to coordinate uh, because it was filming. And I, I couldn't tell anybody what it was till today. And I'm really excited to share this. But I am part of a huge project by Autism Camp Australia. And we have been filming for the Autism Masterclass. This is 28 of the most incredible autistic educators, advocates, instructors, and thought leaders in the space including my good friend, Callum Howells, if you guys know Callum. Rachel Rowe is um, the founder of Autism Camp Australia, and she is just, oh gosh, y'all, she just 
oh, she has my heart so much. She put this massive project together. And Sunny Jane Wise is part of this. Um, I can't wait for you guys to check this out. So keep an eye on social media. Uh, we have some things that are coming out that there's, we're starting to share around the project and how you can start to, you know, maybe get access or get involved with this, uh, become a part of this wonderful autism masterclass. I can't wait. Oh, and y'all, this Saturday is our Energize and Restore Experience Day. I don't know if you were able to get your ticket because they sold out super, super fast this year. This was the first big event that we've done like this. And the gift boxes were mailed out. Well, they are starting to arrive. And this is Kelsey, my chief gifter, who put all of the wonderful goodness in this box, which includes objects and and products from ADHD and autistic owned businesses, because that is such a huge part of the passion, mission, and purpose in my life as the founder of Mind Your Autistic Brain to support other ADHD autistic owned businesses. And guys, I went out and made sure I bought big chunks of these wonderful products to include in the boxes. And so we're going, this was such a hit. We'll be doing this again because this is an entire day, really, really. It's just an immersive, beautiful experience on the seven different forms of rest, how you can experience those, how you can bring them in, how you automatically have this incredible gift box full of tools to help you do it. And we do it together with the accommodations and accessibility needs that meet you where you are. So guys, this is so exciting. All the pictures and everything are starting to roll in from everybody that had their tickets. So we'll be sharing those on social media along the way. So I just want to give a shout out to everybody that's getting their boxes. I know how exciting that is. And don't forget coming up in October, we have our 30 minute lunch and learn series. And I know the way that the slide looks, it looks like October 30th, but I should have made a comma or something there. It's a 30 minute lunch and learn series. And it's two different days. I think it's the 17th and uh, the following week. So we've got two different time slots and those are filling up that 17th one, I think is filling up almost all the way already. Um, and the topic is how to increase connection, belonging and acknowledgement in the workforce to be inclusive of disabled and neurodistinct people with the incredible author, trainer, and Center for Grateful Leadership architect, and one of my mentors, Judy Umless. So guys, make sure you get signed up. Um, this will be coming up as a specific event on LinkedIn and uh, Facebook, and I'll have the links as well. And you can get those on the resources.mindyourautisticbrain.com forward slash events page, and you can go sign up. Don't miss this because if you're looking for ways to, how do I create more belonging? How do I approach and make sure that I'm not excluding people who are disabled and people who are neurodistinct? How do I start to do that in a way that is really bringing people together? Because that's really the part that makes the biggest difference, right? When we feel like we belong, we feel like we're accepted, we're seen and we're heard and we're understood. That is such an important part. And hey, guys, here's our special segment. I'm going to be bringing on my good buddy, Brian Coletto, and we're going to be talking and diving into networking. Brian goes out and he visits all different kinds of chambers all around him and has such an incredible way of engaging and talking and learning. And he's got a hot tip for us this month. And we're going to celebrate some big accomplishments that Brian has had. Hey, Brian, welcome. I'm so glad you're here, my friend. Hey, Carol. How are you? 
I am fantastic. So Brian, tell me, what was the most fun this month? What was like the networking event you went to that you're like, oh man, this was really good. I had a good time. This this event, this event was good. Um, I would say uh, the event that I went to at the uh, home ballpark of the uh, Somerset Patriots, which is double um, A affiliate of the Yankees, for those that don't know. And um, this was actually a rescheduled event, though, because it usually takes place in June, uh, but had to be postponed to September because of Canada wildfires at the time. Um, but that that's always a fun event um, because it's free for everybody to attend. And uh, there's lots of tables and lots of people that you can meet and catch up with as well. Oh, I love that. That is so fun. And you've got a really hot tip for us. Like as we're going out and we're looking for networking events as autistic professionals, I don't know about you, Brian, but like when it's just a straight networking event, it sometimes is a little harder and it seems like it's more energy draining for me than if I actually have something to do at the same time. So what's your hot tip around a networking insight for everybody this month? Yeah, um, the hot tip is if you can find an event to do something fun like um, mini golf uh, or axe throwing, then um, then do that um, because it, it makes it uh, that much more fun to be around people and you get other layers that are fun. Uh, oh, you totally so do. That would be my tip. I love that so much. That is such a great tip, Brian. And I love how you are so adventurous and you try everything. Like last month you did axe throwing, this month you had mini golf. And you know, that really does kind of help just kind of like a date. I always think about you know, like networking is kind of like the business version of dating. It's like, we got to find something that we have things in common when we have it, a project or an activity to do together that kind of allows us to have a common place to navigate conversation. To me, it feels so much easier and way less stressful than like, okay, we got to figure out what to talk about in this moment. I have nothing to do with my hands. I always got to have something to do with my hands. That is such a great one. Brian, I want to say a huge congratulations to you. Uh, you have been, you are part of the Autism MVP and you've got a, a, an event coming up for Top Golf. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, it's this upcoming Sunday. October 1st. Um, it's the second annual um, autism MVP event at Top Golf in my town in central New Jersey. And um, it the uh, foundation raises money for um, scholarships for people that are going to college for um, specifically for some kind of autism education. Um, so it's a way to give back while also um, bringing awareness and acceptance to the spectrum. And I first got connected with them last year uh, when they were doing the first one in my hometown um, at Top Golf. So um, yeah, I've, I've been unofficially a part of them ever since. And um, 
in a um, in in a separate outing that was uh, just a get together with the family that started the foundation. Um, I got some goodies and I um, was showing off some of them in recent posts leading up to this. I usually don't uh, promote events before they happen a lot, but because this one is in my town and, and because weather is not really too much of a factor either way, because um, the top golf, there's coverings. So it, it uh, protects from all kinds of inclement weather. Oh, that's always helpful, especially when you're planning these big events. Thank you so yeah, much and congratulations. Yeah, and I love that you shared that you're a part of this and, you know, Hey, those swag bags are always fun. You can't, you can't miss out on that. And thank you so much for sharing that with us in that incredible insight and tip this month, guys, if you're looking for some networking events and you're looking for like, how can I do this and feel comfortable? Maybe not feel so drained at the end. Brian had a great tip. Go find something where you can do an activity while you're networking. Brian, we cannot wait to hear more about your adventures in networking next month. And I want to hear about your top golf score and how it goes and how much money you guys raise for scholarships. Because that's such a great, great program. Thank you so much for being here. And we'll see you next month, Brian. Thank you. Oh my goodness, guys, we have got some, some really good conversation coming up. My guest today is Sydney Elaine Butler. They are the founder of Accessible Creates. And oh my goodness, guys, not only that, but Sydney is a part of the NeuroDrive team. And I can't tell you how much it means to me to have her here today. I am thrilled to introduce our remarkable guest, Sydney Elaine Butler. And with nearly two decades of experience, Sydney has devoted themselves to promoting accessibility and inclusion in the workplace. Their insights are invaluable. Guys, help me welcome the always and ever amazing Sydney Elaine Butler. Oh my gosh, Sid, hey! The, the way you always introduce me makes me smile. <laughs> just, I, appreciate, I think, you know, just our friendship, you know, and this shines through, so I appreciate it. Okay. So my friend, you got to tell me about this super sexy picture we got going on here. Like this is so lush. Oh my gosh. Where are you guys? Where was this picture taken? Yes. So I'm Guyanese. My mom, my mom's Guyanese. So I'm Guyanese. Um, and so my, my love of my life is also Guyanese. And so last year his mom got remarried and we went to Guyana. And then this is actually at the Guyanese zoo. And so we took this at the zoo and yeah, it was such a beautiful day. It was so, it was so cheap. <laughs> it was only a dollar USD, which was just boggling the mind. But yeah, it was just like, I had to take a shot. This, this scenic, you see this backdrop of the, the picture. It was just so beautiful. And yeah, so that's me in the love of my life, Gordon. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. And this picture was just like the minute you sent it over. Cause I always say, you know, Hey, send me a fun picture. Like I, I want the professional. I usually include him in my fun pictures because we usually have fun together. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. Like that just speaks volumes to me. I love it so much. And when I saw this picture, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to hear the story of like where this was. Cause it's just like so lush and the water and all the scenery and oh my gosh. And you guys just look so happy and just like glowy together. <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay, so we've got quite the hot topic today, we do. don't we? We do. And you know, hot. that's one of the things. <laughs> yeah, baby, drop it like a hat. You and I always love to talk about the things that, you know, make a difference that I don't think are talked about often enough. And, you know, you do such a beautiful job of this just in the work that you do with Accessible Creates. And guys, if you have not had a chance to invite Sydney to come and present at your organization, please do because they are incredible. Um, Sydney has so many insights and there's so much that we don't get a chance to talk about, or I think that is just not even on the radar for conversations that happen so much around accessibility. And we're going to dive into a good bit of those today. You and I had a conversation a couple months ago, and that's kind of what led to this conversation today around ableism, like internalized ableism and how it can impact our self-care. That was one of like one of the big parts that you and I had talked about. Oh my goodness. Have at it, my friend. What what is first of all, like what is internalized ableism? How do we even recognize it? Because I had no clue. Like it wasn't even on my radar that like it was happening inside of me. Yeah. So a lot of times you feel shame for you know being neurodivergent or having disability, but you don't know why you feel this shame. You know, you just feel like I can't. I wish I could do what others can. Or the burnout that Carol Jean also always talks about, and all these different things. And so when you stop beating yourself up, for example, sometimes I need more naps because it burnt out. And so I'm like, why can't I do what I did last week? Or why can't I do what other people do? And just, you know, you know, it's like, okay, I, sometimes I'm in a flare up because of my fibromyalgia. Okay, that makes sense. I'm in a flare up. I can't do what I always do. And so just catching yourself, you know, finding the patterns like, okay, am I being hypercritical of myself? Am I snapping at people more often that I care about and the people that love me? Am I getting the proper food that I need? Am I getting, am I feeding myself? Am I, you know, getting enough sleep? Am I taking care of my body? And, you know, all these things play a role in internalized ableism. So one of the things that came up for me when you and I were sort of having our own little friend conversation around this because I was like, Sid, what had you talked about at this last event? And and they started telling me and I was like, ooh, you were hitting some spots. <laughs> and one of those, and this was one that I really had to work through and I didn't realize that this was part of like the internalized ableism that had gone on because I had maybe masked and camouflaged. Okay, nay, no, maybe. Because I masked and camouflaged <laughs> for decades. And that was you know, I have to earn my self-care. I have to earn the right to do this. Like, and the days where, you know, I too have co-occurring health conditions. And if I have a flare up, if I got something in my food that like caused massive inflammation and joint pain and mm -hmm. brain fog and all this stuff. And then I would be like, I'm failing. Oh my God, I'm screwing up again. I can't do this again. And it's not just the guilt and the shame, but it's just like, how mean I would be to myself in thinking I had to earn, like I hadn't earned the right, like I'm, I'm lazy. I'm not doing it like I did it last week, or I should be able to do this so much faster. Like everybody else is doing it faster. And all of the, that stuff comes in and okay. From the burnout aspect, folks, that is a massive energy drainer. Mm -hmm. I th a lot of times, you know, you don't understand that, when you're in the, you're like, okay, I, for some reason, you feel like you have to deserve self-care. You have to deserve these things. But then it's like, a lot of times, I think because a perception of self-care as a society, you know, it's like, okay, you get a spa day. You get, you know, you watch TV. Like, again, the afterthought. 
It's okay. Let's be proactive. Let's, you know, what do you need to do every day to feel energized, to feel like you can tackle the things? I think, again, that the misconception that self-care has to be after, you know, and you have, it's kind of like a reward. I think that's ingrained in our society. And especially, you know, if you're a neurodivergent or have a disability, it's like even more so you're like, I don't think I deserve it because I didn't reach my goals. I didn't accomplish X, Y, and Z. But sometimes it's just hard getting out of bed. And that should be an accomplishment in itself if you want to look at it that way. But, you know, we all have different things that we're dealing with and experiencing. And so just being really mindful, okay, creating that morning routine, creating that night routine that you do every night that allows you to feel energized and feel make you feel rested and ready to take on the next day instead of being like, okay, I did X, Y, and Z today. I did 50 things on my to-do list. Now I can watch TV. And also knowing what you need. Some people can't have to watch TV and that's how they relax. Some people are like, that's not really relaxing for them. I think you mentioned that when we were talking. You said, you know, you're like, some activities seem relaxing to the eye in general population, but it's like, that's not what relaxing is to you. That's not what it means to you. Uh, Totally. And I think that's such a big part of it is, you know, for a lot of us too, if whether we've been early identified or late identified, part of the journey is, you know, the trauma aspect that comes in in so many different ways, you know, and like for us, I've even seen research out there that says that, you know, our population is even more predisposed to experiencing trauma Mm -hmm. in ways that other people would not even be impacted by because of the way that we're wired in our sensory system and our nervous system. And it's not a, it's not a deficit in the sense that it, it makes us, you know, we're not broken from it, but it's a deficit in the sense it's a hardship when, when we're trying to live externally by rules that don't include or honor or acknowledge the fact that that is how we experience the world. Exactly. And you talked about the important part there, and this is something I talk about. There's a difference between self-care and after care. Mm-hmm. Aftercare is when we're scrambling to try and fix the shit we just blew up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse the language, but you know, when we're trying, when we're trying to to fix to fix the energy deficit that we're experiencing, that's aftercare, right? Mm-hmm. Because how often are we intentional, like you said, with crafting that daily practice of care? And when we're talking about self care. Guys, that is the thing that like it would just stick with me. It really like was like the burr under my saddle, as we mm-hmm. say in the South. And it was like, okay, self-care, great. I'm gonna go have a spa day. I slap some cucumbers on my eyeballs and I'm supposed to feel mm-hmm. better. But like that didn't work for me. That wasn't that wasn't self-care because self-care essentially is just a vehicle, right? It's it's the mm-hmm. it's the mode that we get somewhere, but we got to put the right fuel in it. And the fuel is what are my needs? And like, I think Sydney, you were talking about this so beautifully. It's like so often we don't even know what our needs are. Yeah. So what are some ways that maybe you have started as you've been on this journey? Yeah. How do we help ourselves and how do we help the people that we care about start to identify the needs that they have? It, it can be very complicated. You kind of have to like take a step back out of yourself and then come back into yourself, for lack of better terminology. Like really understanding, okay, what, and you know, like healing, like healing your inner child, healing your inner danger, you know, looking at, okay, what did they not get that they needed? 
and that's a huge place to start because you know i was like oh as a kid i would talk a lot now i can i get to talk a lot for a living gonna go speak at companies and speak on shows like this but as a kid i had a speech impediment and spoke too fast sometimes couldn't say my hours properly i didn't think people wanted to hear me talk and i had so much to say and my parents are like you know if you don't get can speak properly don't speak at all kind of thing they didn't want to be like that but they just encouraged me to improve my speech the right way but you know it's like okay now i have nothing to say i was just like okay i'm not gonna say anything and being silent now it's like okay advocating for myself seeing what i do need understanding that okay sometimes i need to talk it out i need to talk out my feelings i need to talk out my experiences <laughs> so i talk off according to you all the time and he's like yep i'm listening all the way to listening and he's and then to reaffirm that you know he's like you you said these three points you know to make sure i know that he was actually listening to me and you know being like or when things are too loud or it's too bright you know <laughs> that's, that's the issue or some days that and sometimes we're more sensitive than others when you know it's sensory and so it's like you know did i I not take a shower? Do I feel dirty? Do I feel not clean? Because then I get really, I used to call them my gross attacks, but it's, it's just sensory overload. But I just, I feel gross. Why do I feel extra gross today? Oh, I didn't do all these care things I was supposed to do or things that make me feel okay. Oh my gosh. There's so much goodness in that. <laughs> I mean, oh, that, that shadow work, that inner child mm -hmm. work, it, it's a part of it that, it's for a lot of us. I mean, like for me, I, when I started 10 years ago in my late identified journey, I didn't even know that was something that was available. I didn't even, I didn't even think to look outside of myself for a long time. It took a couple of years. And it's so interesting because once I learned about that and I really started to look at, you know, the little version of me and to look back and just go, Hey, baby girl, you were doing your best. You know, you were really trying to to be the best version of you. And, oh, you got your picture. Oh. I, I have that on my desk because everything I do is for little sis. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. I Oh, I think I might have to do that. You've just inspired me. I think I'm going to add that to my desk. I'm going to get a little picture of myself. A younger I think that's part of like, the oh, self-care. When you, you know, working at your desk or, you know, just like, am I being too critical? Am I being, you know, it's like, oh, I, and it's like, then you like, you know, you see the things you're doing, you look at your, your younger self and you're like, they would be so proud of what I'm doing. They would be so proud of the life I'm living, <laughs> you know, so. Oh, I love that so much. So when you're at your desk and you're kind of noticing or you're feeling like the critical, that inner monologue critic yes. coming up, you're shifting that for yourself mm -hmm. with compassion and love and looking at your younger self going, mm -hmm. Hey, I, I remember you and I know how far we've come. Mm -hmm, exactly. Oh, and I cannot tell you how <laughs> happy I am that you have unleashed the beautiful voice that you have into the world. <laughs> Oh, no more silent Sydney ever, ever, <laughs> never. <laughs> so Sid, what are some of the ableism in the workforce and how 
does it lead to problems? Like, what are some of the problems that we see? Like, how does ableism present in the workforce? How can this show up? Because, you know, sometimes we can go, this is pretty apparent. We know what that is. And sometimes it's subtle and we aren't sure. How do I know? Yeah, a lot of the times it's like, it's apparent when it comes to physical disabilities, but when it comes to mental disabilities, it seems to be that disconnect and the language that's being used, especially around mental health and things like that. So like, you're being so, why are you acting so crazy? You're acting so bipolar, you know, the weather's, the, it, it, you know, all these different things. You know, a lot of times people say, oh yeah, I've, I've, I've heard people say that and it made me uncomfortable, but they didn't know why it made them uncomfortable. And they're like, it's not racism. It's not sexism. What is it? It's ableism. And because I think there's such a lack, I'm developing a course right now about ableism in the workplace, like the history of ableism. Now I want to do a self-care ableism, but like internalized ableism as well. Care to inspire me to do that. But I think just really understanding that the language that's used in these workplaces, you know, they don't, especially again, when it comes to mental health, it comes to invisible disabilities people know when something is wrong they know when something doesn't sound right but they just like a lot of people don't know what ableism is and so understanding that you know there's so many different terms or even the term lame that's an ableist term but people don't think about these things and then a lot of people want to address it but they don't know how to call it out because they don't know what it is so it go it just perpetuates and the cycle continues. And so I'm on this mission to talk about ableism and what it is in the workplace. So that way when you see it or you hear it, you know what it is. And I always say to companies like have an anonymous form, you know, available for your employees to, for any, for sexism, ableism, racism, any of these things. Cause sometimes people are scared they're gonna lose their jobs, but they wanna call it out. And that helps incre um, increase and lead to the inclusive culture you know, they're like, but we don't know who said it. So we can't put a face with the name, all these things. But, you know, the company would do better and people would feel more um, appreciated and valued and seen at work if they can express how they feel about these things being said. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, you bring up something, I think, is one of the things that we talk about mm -hmm. with the NeuroDrive team is, you know, how are we helping how are we helping to create tools? How are we helping to create conversations? How are we helping to create shift perspectives? Yes. Right? That's a really big part of this because, you know, so often it's like, well, we can't address a problem or fix something if we don't know who said it. Because sometimes we somehow we need to know the person, the who, to have a context. But for me, I think part of the shift, and you and I've talked about this, mm -hmm. is well, the perspective shift here is that when we are allowing the fact that we don't need to know who mm -hmm. said it, right? Because then what are we really doing? We're looking for like, mm -hmm. can we dismiss this? Do we have to consider this? You know, is this person quote unquote, a troublemaker? You know, are they, are they credible? <laughs> right. And really that's not, that's not the point. And we're missing the opportunity to create a culture and a community of belonging and connection and understanding when we simply aren't operating from a place of like, oh, I'm taking this personally. This means I'm doing it wrong. I'm not good enough. But it's a simple thing saying, hey, we can feel ableism. We all feel the discomfort of sexism. You know, we feel the discomfort 
physically in our body, we don't maybe not always able to like pinpoint it or put words to it to describe Mm -hmm. it, but we can feel it. And when we get to a place where we can articulate it, it's really important to have a psychologically safe and a supportive Mm -hmm. place without having to disclose, hey, I was a person that shared this because that's not really helping move us forward. Mm-mm. What are some tips or suggestions that you have around how do we how do we do this well? Because you help people do it well, <laughs> yeah. Sid. I think, you know, having these conversations with your employees, having me come talk about ableism, <laughs> um, really understanding that the conversation needs to happen and understanding that when someone says to you, or when they feel like something was ableist, but you're like, oh, but I, a lot of people still think that disconnect between physical disabilities and mental disabilities and visible disabilities and understanding that a lot of people think, oh, ableism, that's for only physical disabilities. People still have that mentality. Or, you know, so really understanding it's like, that made me feel uncomfortable. Or even just saying that, you know, having that culture where people can say when they're uncomfortable and still have that safety net and be safe. And so really understanding it's like, and again, like you said, it's mentioned, it's not a personal attack. You know, the person and the people that are calling it to your attention wants to improve the workplace. They want you to be better as an organization, as a person. And also if you're, you know, educating someone on ableism and what it is, you know, understand they might not get it right away. You know, there's so many different terms that are ableist that we don't recognize, or it's, you know, like, oh, it's been part of the language for so long, you know, and so it's going to take them time, but, you know, keep calling it out, and, you know, or sometimes if people catch themselves, you know, like, oh, and then they realize, you know, that's growth, that's learning, and so being patient on both sides is so important when it comes to this work, and understanding that when you call it out, you know, you're, you're doing the right thing by calling it out. And you, you know, you should be proud of yourself for calling it out. And then also intent, I think is a huge part of this too, because, you know, it's like, did someone actually mean to be able to when they said it, or do they just not know better? And is it the moment to educate, you know, what was, you know, and even it's like, oh, this is how I received that information. You just said that they both term, you know, for example, oh, you're acting so crazy. It came off ableist towards me. I, I, it's, oh, no, I didn't mean it that way. La, la, la. Explain their reasoning behind it. And again, that dialogue and being purely patient with each other is like, okay, he didn't mean it that way. I still felt a kind of way that upset me. Let's talk about it. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Like the assuming good intent or neutral intent. Yes. Not I think neutral, neutral, intent. <laughs> neutral intent is even a better place, I think. Yeah. And, you know, Jessica Michaels is so great about talking about how are we getting curious? How are we mm-hmm. creating cultures of preference versus, mm-hmm. you know, what it just left my brain it's late in the day you guys know my brain just kind of goes sometimes it just checked out i'll come back up i'll come back with it but you know there was something that we wanted to talk about and you've got some really great ways to talk about how to promote accessibility at work you know accessible creates is the name of your your business this is what you do this is your advocacy work this is your passion and your purpose in the world so how can we start to create more accessibility at work and especially how do we kind of look at it with the lens of like understanding ableism and real quick, just to kind of touch back said, if you don't mind, can you just like make it super simple? Like how, what is ableism? How do we, what is that? 
for yeah, people that so, maybe haven't heard this term mm-hmm. before. So I think ableism is basically um, the discrimination in favor of able-bodied people. And I think so. So sometimes people are like, oh, that has to be physical disabilities, but that's not the case. You know, it's anyone that experiences disability differences. And so, and then what was the next question? There was the other question. <laughs> then like, okay, so accessibility. What is, what is accessibility? Yes, what is accessibility? Yeah. Um, so what is accessibility in regards to that, like in the tag into ableism? You know, understanding that everyone has different needs that are, need to be met, regardless if you have a disability or not. I think, yes, accessibility, people think it's synonymous with people having disabilities and being neurodivergent or being neurodistinct. But, you know, it just, everyone deserves access to what they deserve and what the resources they need to be successful. So what does that look like? You know, do they have to have closed captions enabled? I think a lot of people think too, like, oh, it's only for people that are hard of hearing, or, you know, and all these things, but it's like, processing issues you need to have closed captions or transcriptions enabled to be able to refer to and all these different things and just really understanding that the tools that need to be put in place for people to be successful having a place where employees feel like they can actually speak up about what their needs are or when they're struggling for example right now i'm talking a lot about performance management with the clients and kind of working that world as of now and so really understanding, looking at the performance management and the performance improvement plan, okay, but the, was the performance, why would, they had a high performance, now it's a low performance, okay. Were they struggling at home? with there other issues pertaining to it? And, you know, visible and visible disabilities and, you know, mental health conditions and other conditions that can vary in flare-ups, you know, were they in a flare-up that led to this? You know, have a plan that includes these things. It's like, okay, sometimes they might be in a depressive episode. They might be in a flare from fibromyalgia, POTS, <laughs> you know, all these different things. What is the reason behind it? You know, don't just be like, oh, they were high performer, now they're a low performer, fired. You know, what is the plan you took? And I think a lot of times this performance management plans and performance improvement plans, sorry, and employers just kind of do it by themselves, but it should really be cohesive with the employee you know, having them be like, okay, this is what I can work towards. This is the goal. This is, you know, having multiple goals along the way, not just a big overlying goal, especially for neurodivergent employees. I think you have breaking it down to smaller goals, manageable goals, daily, weekly, monthly, whatever pertains to the specific job they're doing and what makes more sense to help them improve the performance. That's such a big conversation. And I think, <laughs> you know, it really is, but it's like, I just had light bulbs going off all over as I was hearing you. Cause I was applying mm-hmm. this to, you know, so many different situations I've been in over the years as an employee, but then also as a manager and a leader, these are things that, you know, even from that standpoint, until we know, we don't know. We have these blind spots. We we operate from our perspective. And it's mm-hmm. not right. It's not wrong. It's just what it is for you. Yeah. But I think when we're crafting, especially these performance metrics or these KPIs, key performance indicators, as a company, as a team, and as, you know, as we're working on an individual level as well as a collective level, we have to start with the fact that we are all human and we are not robots. We are not AI. We do not, you know, hit at a, at a solid 10 out of 10 every day, all day long. That is not how we are built. It's not sustainable. And, and it's not sustainable. That is why we have 88% of people 
you know, 77% to 87% of people in burnout right now, mm-hmm. globally, no matter your neurotype folks. And it's, what are our expectations? Are they accurate? Are they realistic? Are they sustainable? And I think as companies and as leaders and as individuals, we have to look at, and this is one of the things I talk about in my book, Unleashing Sustainable Energy, sustainable. What's sustainable? And we also have to look at it with, and I think you brought up such a beautiful point around this, is we have to make allowances for for the fact that we have disabled people in the world. We have you don't have to go out and hire disabled people. I'll guarantee you, just like neurodistinct folks, we're already there. And most of us have, you know, co-occurring conditions. So we mm-hmm. have both unseen, you know, different wiring, but yeah. that's also our bodies, right? Mm-hmm. And we we hire people because they have amazing strengths. They have incredible skills. They have wonderful talent. And then we're treating them like a tissue that we're going to use and throw away the minute it's mm-hmm. not a 10 out of 10 productive in our book. And we're missing out on the incredible things that we all bring to the table in a variety of things. And when we create more accessible workspaces, like you're talking about doing, like Mm. simply start from the very beginning as we're laying out these metrics, how are we actually allowing for humanity and humanness Mm. to enter into that? Yeah, I think, I like what you said about, you know, you don't know what you don't until you know it. And I think that, you know, that's kind of, I think if you had to take one thing away, I think that should be what you take away because and the, the ableism from the internalized ableism to in the workplace, you don't know what you need until you're there, you know? And a lot of times companies, like even if you've worked a similar job in another company, this company is different. You know, it's always gonna be different. Even if it's the, it's, oh, it's similar industry, same, you know, it's always gonna be different. The circumstances of your life change. And so really being mindful and having that room I don't like want to use the term human error because it's like, you know, it implies that it's bad, but just room for humanity and room to understand that we're all human. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to grow. We're going to learn. We're going to evolve. You know, we're not going to be a hundred all the time, you know, and just being really transparent. It's like, okay, did I get close enough to the 10 out of 10, you know, and understanding, okay, what can I, what supports, do I need to get as close to a 10 as I need to? What supports do I need from my coworkers? What supports do I need from my managers? What things do I need in place to be able to do so? What do I need to do internally for myself to do that? You know, doing that check-in with yourself. Oh, how do you know, how do you feel that went? You know, could it be better? And I think a lot of times people just check in with themselves after they have a really bad day at work or you know, a really crappy day. <laughs> you know, they're like, Oh, I didn't do so good today. It was because X. I, my, I woke up late. All these X reasons. But also checking with yourself when you had a really good day. What what led to that good day? Did you feel more supported by your coworkers, by your manager? You know, did you have, you know, did you get the resource or that tool you needed to be successful finally? Like I'm, I'm working right now on a group project, and I was doing focus groups, and she finally got the tool she needed to be able to do her job effectively. Cause she has dyslexia and she got this tool. I can't remember what it's called right now, unfortunately, but she's like, now I felt like I could do my job better and all these different things. It's like, okay, do I have the tools I need? Am I, what, what do I, and how do I go from there? And I love that we're approaching this too, because this was something that you, you wanted to talk about. And I <laughs> loved this because the minute I saw it, I'm like, Ooh, yes. 
how do we provide accommodations and supports for ourselves? Because, you know, sometimes that's where it has to begin. Mm -hmm. And I think we usually like the default or the the thought is I've got to go externally to Mm -hmm. meet the need that I have. And sometimes like I have alexithymia. That's kind of hard for me. Like I sometimes... I, I know I need something, but I don't know what it is. I haven't gotten the clarity on it, but the contrast or the action, whether it, you know, goes the way I expect it to, or if it doesn't go mm-hmm. the way I expect it to, I'm gathering data that gives me more yeah. clarity. And what I found was externally, I can go to like a trusted partner or friend that I can talk it out with and I can kind of describe what's going on. And I love that you put this reframe on it to like say, Hey, check yourself where you wreck yourself. If you're looking at every crap day that you have, you're missing out on the data from the really good days that are going to give you more good days. Yes. Right. I I think, you know, understanding, I think a lot of, like you said, like accommodation seems like it has to be external, but you know, we're figuring out ourselves. We're learning, we're growing, we're living, breathing things. You know? And so being like, Oh, like I, I had I, to be completely. I had a nap before this. I had a thirty minute nap. I needed it, so I was like, you know, and be like, I need, I need it, you know, and understand. Okay, it's like, okay. Do I need that nap? Is it necessary? I'm like, I have to continue my day. I, I do need that nap, you know, and checking in with yourself and really understanding that, you know, and like for things, you know, try and error. Try and error is a good way to go because. You know, sometimes people are like, oh, that's wasting time. You're not collecting that much data, but you see what works. You see what doesn't work. You know, it's like, if it didn't work, people are like, oh, but it didn't work. So what was the point? You now know it didn't work. And, you know, or you have it, you know, for sometimes it could come back. You're like, oh, could that work this time? Because, you know, again, we're constantly evolving. We're constantly changing. And so, you know, also accommodating for yourself. Like, kind of how to talk about, you know, how, do you need, how much food do you need in a day? How much fuel you need what kind of food do you need but because everyone's body is different right so what food you need to eat is different than the food i need to eat to grow energized you know drink lots of water <laughs> but out like seriously like really understanding that and then when you start learning what you need for yourself you can start advocating that when you talk to other people you know it's like well <laughs> gordon is always like well, what do you need i'm like i don't know <laughs> and, he's, and then he's like, well, let's figure it out together or you can figure it out and then let me know and working alongside people to really figure out what they need or like a lot of times now in the workplace and the companies are going to like, oh, we now have a lot of employees that are in the process of being diagnosed and we don't know how to support them work alongside them to figure out what they need you know, they're learning just as much as you are, this is new to them as well it's like, okay, well we had another employee that had this but th- does this work for you? Let's try this tool out. Oh, that didn't work for you. That's okay. I think right now a lot of companies, they, they're so stuck in like if one employee, one disabled employee needed an accommodation that all employees <laughs> disability need an accommodation. And that could be a good starting point, you know, to figure out, okay, yes, that works for the person. Awesome. Great. It does. But don't get frustrated and don't be like, oh, they're faking or they're lying and it doesn't work for them. Everyone is different. We have different lived experiences. So Sydney, what has come up? Because this is a conversation that I've had recently, and I think it's really important to kind of talk about this because we have spiky profiles, you know, we have with co-occurring health conditions, you know, as part of 
you know, being neurodistinct, you know, there's also those invisible things around our physical health that can impact us. So, you know, a lot of times you'll have employers and I've heard this be, to be said before, it's like, well, why do you need that accommodation? Because it seems like you're just trying to get attention or you just want, you know, extra stuff because you did that totally fine the last couple of times we did it. And this time you're, <laughs> you're like, it was a complete disaster. Yeah. Are you, are, you know, what's going on? And then yeah. what, so, what do we do with mind. that kind of conversation? Yeah, and understanding? I, I used to, when I, I, when I was in school, I was in, worked in a recreational setting. And so I used to also help kids, teens and adults with disabilities. And part of that was doing changes. And when I first started, I could do it no problem, all these things. But I started getting knee and leg issues. And so I was like, I, I can't do it. I can't do it today. You know, I, I, I and really the week before I could do it, this week, I'm like, my leg's not feeling well. It's like, I'm in a flare up with my leg. And people, are like, oh, you're just faking. And the rumors would spread about me, about my leg, and all these things. And I'm just, as we're, literally, as we're literally working with people with disabilities in our programs, and I'm just like, I'm not faking. You know, you can't just because you can't see the pain doesn't mean the pain's not there. And I want to keep myself safe. I want to keep my participants safe. I want to keep my coworkers safe. And just really having these conversations of, and it was, it was, I remember there's also one change that it's supposed to be a two person lift because most lifts are supposed to be two persons. But like, oh, she's tiny. We can just do one person lift. And so the person would do it themselves. I'm like, that's not safe. I would always say it's not safe. And I was like, I want someone to do it. And she's like, oh, well, you do it. I was like, well, my leg's in a flare-up. I can't do it. And she's like, well, I'll just do it this time. But you, you better be able to do it next time. And I was like, I, I took it to the next, the higher supervisor because I'm like, this is not safe. This is not sustainable. This is not safe for anyone. It's not safe for the participant. It's not safe for me. It's not safe for the coworker doing this. They're going to prepare it strain. It's going to strain their back. And just really understanding it's like sometimes you have to make that change overall and be like, okay, this is not right. This is not safe. And I think it falls down to safety. Can you do your job safely? In that moment, you cannot do, you know, it's a yes, I could do, last time I could do it with no problem because I could do it safely. I felt I could do it safe. I felt like I would be safe and the equipment and the area and my coworkers are around me and things would be safe when I did it. This time I'm in a flare up. I'm dealing with something. I can't do it as safely as I could. That's such a great point to kind of use as sort of your benchmark is, can I perform my job and my duty safely? Mm -hmm. And I think, guys, we also got to take that one home with us. <laughs> I really do. I mean, mm -hmm. how often are we doing stuff that we should not be doing, pushing ourselves to like do the stuff that we need, that we quote unquote need to do at home or with our family and that kind of stuff. But we're, we're like, doing a body lift on our own when we need somebody there with us. Mm -hmm. I think like, am I safe? Well, let's the picture to, to redecorate. <laughs> right, exactly. So, you know, are we also looking at not just how can I mm -hmm. perform my job safely at work, but how am I also performing my job safely at home, the mm -hmm. things that I'm doing? And I saw something recently, because, you know, I'm always looking at relationship mm -hmm and connection stuff because I think it translates across wherever we are and it was changing the conversation especially at home around household duties to when you ask someone you're not asking for them to help you you're asking for them to participate in a communal benefit project mm -hmm. <laughs> 
this isn't a you're the wife or you know you're mm. the person that's at home so this is your job and I'll come and help you do it no 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 we all wear clothes we mm. all use the kitchen <laughs> Yeah. You know, and I think we also kind of got to think about that as it translates to the workplace. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all working together for a common goal. How are we all safely working mm -hmm. and supporting one another in this? Mm -hmm. How are we ultimately all creating that safe environment for us all to thrive? Absolutely. So, Sid, what is like your big insight, takeaway, or something really key to your heart that you want someone to understand around ableism and around accessibility at work today? I think when you feel it in your gut, you know, and you're like, it's not racism, it's not sexism, it's, you know, it, it's, it's probably ableism, you know, and understand that mental ableism is very real, it's very prevalent. And the language that's being used sometimes, you know, you know, then you feel in your gut when language is being used and you're like, that, that's not right. And so just trust your gut, you know, speak up for what, you know, you think you need and hopefully you can do it in a safe manner because it goes all back to that safe, safety and, you know, understanding that if a company isn't willing to hear you out and hear what you have to say, it's like, is it really worth it? Like, I know, like, you know, it's so hard in the market right now, but really understanding it's like, okay, do these actually align with my values? Do they align with what I want for myself and for my future? Oh my goodness. Is it in alignment? This is one of the questions that we ask in the unveiling method. Is it in alignment with me? Oh, so beautiful. Thank you so much, Sydney. <laughs> Gratitude flows as we come to the end of another incredible episode of Beyond Autistic Burnout. Thank you for being part of this empowering journey. I'm Carol Jean Whittington, and I'm inspired by your commitment to growth and resilience. Keep applying these insights to your life, and remember, we're here every step of the way together. Share this podcast with others who could use a boost of empowerment, and let's create a ripple effect of positive change. Until next time, take care, stay energized, and keep thriving. Sydney, where can people reach out to connect with you to have you come in and speak at their company? Yeah, so you can connect with me at LinkedIn. It's Sydney Elaine Butler. Um, and then just send me a message saying, saw you at the Beyond Autistic Burnout podcast or wherever you saw it. And yeah, just keep in touch. Fantastic. I'm going to have Brian come back on stage. Hey, Brian, what is something that you'd like to tell everybody today as they're going into their new month and entering October? What is something you'd like everybody to kind of challenge or think about as they're going out into the networking world? Um, well, the weather may be getting colder, but the opportunities are increasing. And, um, and those who keep in mind that a bunch of um, chambers have um, holiday parties that'll be coming up before we know it. So oh, um, that's oh things to keep in mind. And, and just as a certain plug, sorry for the change in outfit. I thought I, I was done on the show. 
<laughs> You're good. Um, I saw you backstage and I was like, oh, yay, he's here. Well, we're, we're going to give a little tip before we move into October. Thank you so much for doing that one on the fly, my friend. <laughs> Guys, take care and we'll see you next week as we're kicking off Disability Employment Awareness Month. We've got a power-packed set of guests for you. And this is all about us, including us, our voices, what we need, the accessibility, and what employment is for us. Stay tuned. We'll see you next week, guys. Bye-bye.